0: Hello and welcome, this is WRPX, your resting Revolution podcast, and I am your host, Antonio Garza. The weather today is 91 degrees, partly cloudy, a wind force of 3 or 4 miles per hour. A relative humidity of 20%. And we are ready to talk about some wrestling. Uh, For that, we have two main shows that I want to talk about this week. Uh, Plus, I do want to preview the New Japan Grand Slam show that I don't know what's going to happen. And we'll talk about it when we get there. But first off, we go all the way to Japan as we usually do. And this week we watched Stardom's Cinderella Summer Tour in Tokyo, day two. This was the show uh, in the Bell Sal Takadono Baba. This was a it It wasn't really uh, what's the way the way that I can say it. This is like your normal tour show. nothing especially like huge usually gets to uh, booked in these type of shows. But in this particular one, we did have uh, a couple of newsworthy things and a really, really good angle that I'd say it's worth going out of your way to watch. Like, I wouldn't say the show itself, the wrestling, is go out of your way to watch a type of show, worthy show. But when it comes to the angle that Close the show, I think that is one that will... I wouldn't say will be remembered, I don't know, because it's, it's a really big character development for Starlight Kid. But um, it also, I don't think it's like uh, something that we'll be remembering a lot uh, later down the year. But anyway, let's go from the top. Show open with Starlight Kid defeating Asumi and Hina. Eight minutes, pretty good match. Everyone looked good. Asumi especially looked fantastic. Hina had a couple of spots that looked sloppy, but not sloppy in the, like, the move was, looked bad. It was just like, you know, when you're, when you're resting at the speed of, of Kid and Asumi, you're just gonna, like, have trouble keeping up sometimes. And so, there was a couple of spots where Hina looked like she was having trouble keeping up. But nonetheless, like, the, the match was really good. Fantastic opener. uh, And Kid got the win. So... And it was the right thing to do to give Kid the win, especially on this show. We had stars, the team of Hanan and Koguma defeat Lady C and Tam Nakano. This wasn't so good. Uh, I mean, Lady C is still a rookie. Koguma is a hit and miss. Hanan is really good and Tam Nakano is really good. So I really enjoy when Hanan and Nakano went together. Uh, And even Nakano and Koguma, because Nakano could like carry Koguma into cool spots but uh lady c did definitely um bring things down a little bit especially with koguma that wasn't a good mix uh but i mean even so like this was a good match it just wasn't like at the level of the rest of the card really um and koguma got the win over lady c with a german suplex i I sometimes get annoyed when they do this, when they put, like, the top champion or one of the top champions with the rookie. And so the the top champion ends up losing the match because of the rookie. So... And it did kind of seem like they wanted to build something with Kaguma and Akano, but I don't think there's time. Uh, we are, like, weeks away from the five-star Grand Prix starting, and they're not even in the same block, so... I I think it was just like for a matter of this show, like maybe they'll they'll tease something for later down the road, but I highly doubt it. We had Donna del Mondo, Julia, Micah, and Siri defeat. Oh, no, actually, they went to a tie and draw uh, with Queen's Quest, the team of Momo Watanabe, Saya Kamitani, and Utami Hayashishita, And this was a really productive match in a way. there's several things going on here like Momo and Micah have their thing going on where Micah has a hots for Momo and I think she's trying to recruit her s- somehow and then Tsuri and Utami we know have, they have their title the red title of uh, feud and rivalry going on too but also Aphrodite which is a team of uh, Kamitani and Hayashishita, are going to be challenging for the titles that Alto Livello, which is, uh, Suri and Julia have the, the goddess of stardom titles. And so we have all of those little, like feuds going on. And because of that, like the match was perfectly like set up. Cause it started with Momo and Maika. Then it transitioned into Hayashi and Suri. And at the end it came down to, uh, Kamitani and Julia. And that's when we got the the time limit draw so it was like just perfect pacing they divided the match into three sections five minutes each perfect uh and this also had like this was probably like the best wrestle match in in the night um i i i can imagine people could give the main event the match of the night uh award but i think i will give it to this one just because it was like slightly better wrestled, the main event was really good, but it's like a different, a completely different type of monster. Uh, like different things all around. So it's hard really to compare them. But I, I think I would give the Queen's Quest and Donald Lamondo match the match of the night. Um, and after the match, as expected, like Siri and Utami were in each other's face. Uh, Julia and, he- and Kamitani wanted to fight uh Maika and momo disappeared so maybe they just like went on a date or something i don't know what happened there but yeah like we're, th- that aphrodite versus alto livello match should be fucking good next up we had the future of stardom championship match this was mina shirakawa the newly crowned champion she won the title not long ago um where was it, it was at the yokohama Budokan. Uh, That happened on July the 4th. So it hasn't even been a full month. Uh, And she already lost the championship. To her stablemate. Unagi Sayaka. uh, Who was the other finalist. Of the the Future of Stardom tournament. And. I didn't think this match was as good. As the match they had. In the actual finals of the tournament. I thought this match was slightly sloppier too, Um, but in a way, like they, these two like know each other so well that when you have a sloppy move, but you put some weight on it, it does tend to look good. The problem is when you have selling or, or stuff like that, uh, or mistiming, for instance, that uh, sloppiness does show a lot. Like they did a spot, the typical spot where like you fire up you hit each other and then both competitors collapse and in this match it looked like pretty fake (laughs) uh so yeah like little things like that uh i didn't like uh i also thought that like i thought chirakawa looked good but i didn't think sayaka looked as good and like desperate to win as she did in the finals of the tournament so I don't know, like little things here and there, I it, they just like didn't connect with me as I did in the tournament. Um, it it could have also have something to do with the side the crowd. Like this was a smaller crowd. I, I think they had like 400 people. And so uh, their reactions were not as big as seeing them in Yokohama, you know? So I don't know, like little things here and there, but the match itself, I didn't think it was as good, but it was still pretty decent um just not as good as the Yokohama match and so like Sayaka won at uh after the match she got her winners promo saying that you know cosmic angels made her happy and like not winning the title was kind of like depressing her and so now she was complete and she hoped that she and Shirakawa would win titles together uh, she said that she was going to keep the title until 2022 when her third anniversary um, in the promotion comes. And that's when she officially would have to relinquish the title. Because the title, remember, is for people under three years uh, in the promotion. And so that would be thir- her third year. And before that, Rina came out. Rina from Oido Tai. And she made the challenge for the title. So we're, I'm guessing we're going to get... Sayaka versus Rena before the the Grand Prix starts, so that doesn't leave that many shows. I think there's a couple of shows, like around the twenty. like there's one on the 24th, that's pretty big, that's where we're getting Starlight Kid versus Tam Nakano, uh, so I'm guessing that's where they may want to do uh, Sayaka versus Rena just to fill out that card and, and make it a, a pretty big card, actually, if you think about it. um. But yeah, that was it. And then we actually go into the main event. And that's really the whole reason why we're here. This is the Starlight Kid recapture gauntlet match. Mayu Iwatani has to run the Oedo Tai gauntlet. It's not a full gauntlet. It's only Fugigen Dev, Konami, Rina, Ruaka, and Sakikashima. Starlight Kid was not in the match. Unfortunately, Natsuko Tora is out with an injury. And I have no idea whatever happened to like me I think it's her name is Natsumi, but um, this was, man, this was a really good match. It had, like, it, it's weird to compare because it, it is five different matches, but if you see it as one single match, it had its lows and its highs. For the most part, I think it was well built. But I would have done little changes. So what happened here is that Mayu started against Rina, and she got the win, uh, with a, a submission. It was kind of like a. She kind of had like, Rina, like in a reverse butterfly, like, uh, but like the like the legs, like if she was gonna do the, like, uh, what's her face, Taya Valkyries or or. I think it's Taya Balkyrie's, Yeah. Like her red wedding. Um, no, wait, the wedding is No, the, the road to Valhalla. That's the one I'm thinking. Red wedding is Rosemary's if she was going to do like that, but instead like she got a, uh, dragon sleeper. So it looked pretty sick. It looked like really cool. Uh, then Fukigan death came in and she was eliminated. Like, uh, I don't know, like less than five minutes over the top rope. I, I'm kind of surprised sometimes by how protected Fukigan Death is in, in Oil and Stardom. I mean, she is the Asa Academy champion. I don't know if that's why, but uh, she gets, like, well-protected. But anyway, those two matches were kind of like, eh. I actually thought that for Rina, Mayo should have just been way more dominant. Because Rina is, like, she's really good. And she's not the rookie rookie, but she's still pretty young in that sense. And I would expect that Maggie Watani would come into this match like completely focused and ready to fight and like just vicious. And but no, like Rina actually got a bunch of offense. So like that is the f- first thing that I would change. Just have Iwatani run over like squash Rina. It's OK. um, Yeah, it's OK. <laughs> Like, you can squash Rina even if she's challenging Sayaka for the title. It's okay. Because it's Mayu fucking Iwatani, you know? She's the face of the company. She is the big superstar of the company. So, let her squash Rina. Then eliminate death over the top rope. And then we go into Sakikashima. And Sakikashima was fantastic. This was, like, one of the best Sakikashima stuff that I've seen in a while. Like, she's had pretty decent stuff in those five-on-five matches. But this one... Like just one-on-one with Mayu, look, she looked really good. And the story here is that Saki uh, Kashima has a couple of wins over Iwatani. Her her like roll up pin that she has developed has defeated a lot of different people, Iwatani included. And so like Kashima was vicious. She actually got a lot of offense over Iwatani, which at that point made sense because she ha- she was already on her third match. Uh, and then she went to submission striking, and at the end they started going for the roll-ups, and Iwatani managed to reverse Saki Kashima's roll-up and to make one of her own for the pin. So that was pretty good. It it kind of felt like, like they saved that spot for, for tonight, and that was like pretty good. And then it came up to Konami, and Konami and Iwatani had the longest match of the whole gauntlet. The This went about 16 minutes, I think, and this was great. Um, Like Konami was picking up the pieces that Kashima left. Uh, And we, we know Konami, she's submission and she's kicks. Uh, She worked on Iwatani's arm uh, and then just kick her left and right. And what happened with Konami is that um Iwatani made a comeback she hit a frog splash and then she hit the moonsault and that's like she had the pin but she was interrupted by I'm guessing Ruaka who tossed in the the like purple box or or briefcase that they usually carry around and so she broke up the pin after that konami kind of ended outside of the ropes over the top rope and what happened was that ruaka rushed in and she tried to attack uh, iwatani but iwatani dodged and sent ruaka into konami who got eliminated over the top rope so that was okay i i actually think that that's the best way to eliminate konami uh, Because Konami, I guess at this point, she will kind of be like the leader-ish of Uedotai until Tora comes back. Unless they they want to develop Starlight Kid as the leader of Uedotai. And so I think it's well to protect Konami. Especially when when you're supposed to be telling the story that Iwatani has already wrestled three matches and this is the fourth. Finally, it came up to Ruaka. Ruaka really just had like a little bit of offense. um, Nothing really special. I think that this went really, really short before the whole Oedotai jumped in. They pulled the ref out. They attacked Iwatani with weapons. They made the pose on the ropes. And because of that, the referee DQ'd Ruaka. And so he gave... Iwatani the win, so she has, she like managed to get wins over everyone in Moedotai, she ran the gauntlet and she, in a way, won uh Starlight Kids freedom from Oedotai. and like the stipulation here is not, I think it has to be really precise, like Iwatani was fighting for Starlight Kids freedom from Moedotai, like the, the stipulation from the five on five was just not going to be in place that does, it doesn't mean Starlight Kid has to join stars now. And that's where the big angle comes. After the match, uh, Iwatani, like, we, we've seen Starlight Kid at this point. She's fully uh, adopted the oil tie look. She has the, black, the full black mask, full, uh, black gear, the lipstick, uh, the eyes. She's been cheating a little bit more uh you know taking advantage <clears throat> and so iwatani asked star like, he, like hey are you are you do you want to join stars or you want to stay with, with star like he told her I'm not joining like it's been a month since I was forced to join Oidotai and you have done nothing. I don't want to be Mayu Iwatani's sidekick anymore um <clears throat> I want to be my own self, I want to make a name for myself and I'm going to do it with Oilotai and I will become my Iwatani's greatest rival. And maybe once we're done with that, you can stand next to me, uh, and not vice versa. And then that was it. Like, um, uh, Iwatani told, Starla, like, like, Hey, you know what? I like my words when, when you lost, when we lost are not, I wasn't bullshitting you. Like when you wanna come back to stars, I'll be waiting for you. And that was beautiful. And and I, I really like this because uh it's setting up like this is the character development the Starlight Kid needed to indeed break away from Iwatani and make herself whatever she's going to be. You know, she she's at that point where she she can make the jump into like, just being a legit herself, not the cute uh, Starlight Kid, the cute masked girl from Stars. you know, she's always with Mayu, no, she's now Starlight fucking Kid, and she is, you know, herself, and I really like the idea that they're going to be rivals, this is like, almost like a Naruto Sasuke thing going on here, and they're going to be rivals, but one day down the line, maybe in many, many years after many, many championship wins, uh, the Starlight Kid will be next to Iwatani again as equals. And it's going to be uh, super emotional. It's going to be like a Golden Lovers type of story, you know, sim- like type of not type of story, but like that level of emotion and that's going to be fantastic. And, and at this point, um, like I would imagine that this Stars versus Oedotai story is over. There, I don't think there's a point in following up with it. We're going into the Grand Prix. Natsuko Dora's not here, so that part of the story is lost uh, for now. Uh, we now just have to develop Oedotai. I, I'm guessing with Konami and Starlight Kid as the, the faces of the team. And that's fantastic. Um, after the, the after that after they left you what did kind of promo like hey like it may seem like stars is in the gutter uh because i mean whatever happened with time of happened ruaka uh happened and then they lost starlight kid they lost the clown <laughs> she, she referred to her as the clown and so it may seem like we're just like down for but she she mentioned like Konami. I mean Koguma is here. Hanan is here, and we still have Sayaida and Jungle Kiona, like in the back burner. They're getting better and they're going to come back. I guess that confirms that Jungle Kiona is stars, um, at this point. And so yeah, that, that's that's pretty like. It gives us hope she said that you know stars will always be stardom's like army and that is true like stars is usually the the team that represents like the home the hometown group in stardom and so i thought it was fantastic like uh i i think uh dave meltzer when he was uh recapping this he said it was like stockholm syndrome but it's not stockholm syndrome at all this is this is Starlight Kid making her own decision that she wants to make a name for herself. And I think she just sees Oedotai as a group that is going to help her more than being in stars in Iwatani's Shadow. And I think that actually does make sense uh, because in Oedotai, especially now with there's no Kagetsu, there's no uh, Natsuko Tora. I think Oilotai is more of a unit by itself. They're they're all like in a way in the same level. Like there's no like big superstar in Oilotai and I think that's where uh everyone seems like almost equal because if you really see them, like Konami, I think Konami, Kashima and Starlight Kid are all pretty much in the same level. Um uh, in different reasons and then like fugi and death like she's protected she's probably like under then and then raka and, and Rina, are are rookies but they're pretty protected you know like right here like they protected raka she was the last in the match and she lost by dq she wasn't pinned and and so like i think it's i think uh is going to be more of a better fit for starlight kit right now for her development But yeah, like this this is not Stockholm Syndrome at all, Uh, but yeah, like overall, like I said, this was a a good show. I wouldn't say it's something that you need to go out of your way to watch, but that closing angle, especially if like if you've been invested in Stardom and you've been invested in Starlight Kid or or Mayu, like that is definitely a milestone that you need to watch in their development. But yeah, yeah. We are coming close to the start of the Grand Prix. I think the first date is on the 31st. I think so. And so we just have a couple of like pretty much just a week left um, because it is from this Saturday to the next one. We do have a couple of shows this weekend. Like I said, Um, off the top of my head, I know we're getting Starlight Kid versus Tom Nakano for the title and i think we are getting the Aphrodite versus alto livello match also in that weekend so we still have a good amount of stardom coming up before the grand prix and the grand prix is going to be long it's a show that's going to run for two months it's the shows are like i think the shows are more like two days back to back and then they take a break for like one or two and then like two more dates uh something like that it's slightly more spaced out than a g1 climax but it is gonna eventually go up to, to like I think the finals are set to be in September the twenty fifth, and they are two blocks of ten people, and so that's going to be pretty awesome. I think uh, we can do like a better analysis of it next week, uh, as we said, as we like preview the 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 blocks and everything the the first round, not round like the first card i guess uh but yeah that's it for stardom uh and actually that's actually it for japan this week uh there's just there was a couple of shows happening but this was really like my priority a lot of the shows this weekend were more about just uh i don't know like building up bigger shows in the next couple of weeks um we are kind of heading into tournament season for several promotions Uh, We know Tokyo Joshi, for instance, is preparing to have their Princess Cup. Uh, The five stars coming. The G1 will eventually come in October. Um, So, you know, several things. Uh, I think also the Olympics, you know, have started. And so I think uh, some of these promotions may be trying to just have like smaller shows here and there, not necessarily going for the big, big uh, show. With the exception of New Japan, who is... Oh my God, they're going to try to have a show in the Tokyo Dome. But before we get into... You know what? Actually, I think right now is the best time to talk about that show. Because the other show that we want to talk about is Impact. And that we may just leave Impact for the end. But the Grand Slam in Tokyo Dome, July 25th. Um, this... This card is just freaking like uh, like it's a pack card, but it is also a card that I think it's cursed or something. Because the news that came out yesterday was that Kota Ibushi is suffering from a respiratory issue, uh, aspiration pneumonia. And he is off like right now, the, the news is that he's going to be off for this week for a couple of shows this weekend uh but he like the the news article said that he is expected to to like make it for the grand slam but the the final decision is not done yet i think i would imagine the final decision is going to be done by friday because ghetto has to have a main event for this tokyo dome it's the fucking tokyo dome Uh, Like the only good thing I I would imagine is that whatever amount of tickets were going to be sold for the Tokyo Dome have already been sold. And so in a way, the problem would be like to come up with something to replace it, but not necessarily that they're not going to sell any more tickets. So I guess that's slightly a bit of a positive. But so like really going down the car like this is a huge loss because it's your main event. And let's go down the card really quick, um, the main event, Chingo Takagi, the champion defending against Kota Ibushi. And I would imagine that Chingo was going to win regardless, but I think now it's way more confirmed that he's going to be uh, winning. <laughs> then we have for the tag team championships, the rematch, Los Ingobernables de Japón, Naito Sanada defending against the dangerous techers. Uh, this was a, a rematch that came really quick. It was just a couple of weeks that Naito and Sanada won the titles, but I don't really mind. I think um, the match was fantastic, and this one should be even better because it's in the Tokyo Dome, and they're building up with singles matches. M- matches. It's going to be a uh, well. It's been a uh, Sanada and Saver, and Chi and Naito, so two pair ups that know each other quite well. And so, yeah, they're building up to this tag match. I think it should be pretty good. We have Jeff Cobb versus Kazuchika Okada. And the build-up to this match, the stuff they've done in the road shows has been pretty awesome. I am... This actually may be, like, the match that I'm most excited for in the whole Tokyo Dome show because Cobb... Cobb has been fantastic ever since joining the, the United Empire. And... Like, he was fantastic in building up Ibushi. And now with Okada, he has been pretty awesome. And Okada, like... I mean, it's a Tokyo Dome show. I, I think where he's going to bring it. Especially if the Shingo and, and Ibushi match falls. I think a lot of it is going to fall in Okada's uh, hands. And so he's going to probably bring it. Bring it hard. We have a... Junior heavyweight championship match, El Desperado taking on Robbie Eagles, who is coming back. Um, that's good. Uh, it's, at, at least it's a match that we haven't seen a thousand times in the last couple of months. So that's good. Robbie Eagles, it's pretty good. Um, there's a lot of rumors that people are expecting Robbie Eagles to join the United Empire as their junior guy, which I think it's, I mean, eventually that stable needs to have a junior and i think robbie goes probably be the best option um he's good friends with osprey so that is a possibility we have the iwgp junior heavyweight tag team championship this was the mega coaches rocky romero and rius Tagucci challenging the Bullet club elp el Fantasmo and ishimori for the championship uh the tag, t- the tag titles um this should be good again like I think New Japan at this point is like they have a card for a Tokyo Dome and there's a lot of problems. I think a lot of the guys are going to be like super motivated to work harder and a motivated Taguchi is a good Taguchi. And ELP and Rocky Romero have like they call Rocky Romero like the ELP Whisperer because he's gotten the best matches out of ELP. Ishimori is always good um yeah like even yeah Ishimura's is always good like and I, I would imagine that taguchi and romero are good uh challengers for him and so that's that should be good and the last match in the show it's the kickoff match this is the king of pro wrestling 2021 new japan rambo so the the like the rumble pretty much <laughs> the battle royal with. uh with people entering every other minute the stipulation here is that there's going to be eliminations over the top rope obviously but there's going to be um like handcuffs and blindfolds are legal i i think it's just a matter of like putting them on but i don't think they eliminate you uh specifically so that is going to happen that is going to be like a kickoff nothing really to care much about the rest of the show is just a five car, a five match card in the Tokyo Dome. That would tell you that a lot of these match hits could go thirty minutes. I, I actually wouldn't be wouldn't be surprised if Chingo and Ibushi would have gone the the broadway if Ibushi is able to go, but I don't think he's going to make it. Personally, I think we're going to get a last minute replacement. It could be, like I don't know if the foreigners would be able to make it because they were just, like Jay White, is was in Nashville yesterday, as were Finju's, Juice, and um, a couple of the of of the other wrestlers have are getting ready to go to Resurgence, the New Japan Strong uh, Show. Um, I think there's still time for that one though. But uh, yeah, like at least Jay White, we know is was in Nashville two days ago. So I don't know. Like they they may pull try to pull off like Tanahashi versus Chingo out of nowhere. Maybe they'll move Okada and have him do like double duty, even though that would be way too much work for him. I don't know. It's it's hard to see where this is gonna go. Hopefully Ibushi can recover. He is superhuman. Um uh, But uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. But uh, yeah, this show will be taking place on the 25th, just a couple of days. And uh, I think it's going to be good. I think it's I think they're they're going to figure it out. I trust New Japan in that sense. I don't think they're just going to throw away a Tokyo Dome show just like that. I think I think they're going to figure it out. And that is the ending for uh, our coverage of Japan this week. Um, But it's not the end of this show because we do have a show that happened in the U.S., a pretty big show, actually, uh, that we want to talk about. And that is Impact Wrestling's Slammiversary 2021 from the Skyway Studios in Nashville, Tennessee. This was the first show that Impact had with fans. Fans, they seem to be officially back because they did a couple of tapings right after with fans. So I think... uh, that that's a, a good uh, sign for impact um and man what can i say this show was pretty decent i like my my overall analysis would be that it was a really fun show they kind of sacrifice uh match quality and work rate for spectacle and entertainment And I say that because of matches like Kenny Omega versus Callahan being a no DQ match. Uh, The ultimate X match was the like, I mean, the exhibition match was an ultimate X match. And so that offers like a different completely different taste from what we've been getting with Josh Alexander and TJP and those guys. And so because of that, like, I, I would totally say that they sacrifice a little bit of wrestling quality for spectacle. But I think it's okay. I think for a type of show like this, Slammiversary, the second biggest like sh- show of the year for impact, I think that's okay. Um but yeah, like if we go from the top, the from Countdown, this is from the Countdown to Slam like the pre-show, uh the knockouts tag team championship match, Havok and Neve, and, and Neve- uh, Havok and Rosemary, Decay officially now. Defeated Fire and Flavor to capture the championships. Nothing matched really. It was just your typical Fire and Flavor match, except they lost at the end. Um and Decay won. I that was pretty like that was that was expected. I think I don't think anyone expected Fire and Flavor to win. I kinda hoped that they would, meaning that maybe the iconics could debut, but it didn't happen. And if that's not going to happen, then Rosemary and Havoc were the right choice at this point. Fire and Flava had already gone through the whole division. There were not really many opponents left. And so you may as well put the titles on Decay. And, you know, Rosemary is pretty fucking popular. Decay itself is really popular. So just go with it. And now we can have a couple of fresh matches maybe. So that's okay. But that happened in the pre-show. The actual show started with the Impact X Division Championship Ultimate X match. Josh Alexander, the champion, defeated and defended against Petey Williams, Trey Miguel, Rohi Raju, Ace Austin, and Chris Bay. The match itself was just like crazy spot after crazy spot after crazy spot. Uh, There was a little story with Rohi not being able to reach the ropes that go from corner to corner. And so he had a couple of shticks like pulling in, like having a rope and just like trying to pull himself up, or getting a hook to try and get the title, stuff like that. It was funny and it served for it served a purpose, you know. But I didn't think they the ma- that hurt the match at all or anything like that. It was actually quite good, and that uh, that eventually led into more into the wrestling area of the match, which we saw. We saw some crazy shit. We saw like uh, Petey Williams did a destroyer, like as he dropped from the ropes into Chris Bay, who was on the shoulders of Josh Alexander. So it's hard to imagine how like just by describing it, you need to watch it. But it did look sick. There was like such a small window for success in that move. Uh, Like a lot of things could have gone wrong, but I, I think everything came out Okay. Uh, there was also, like, a spot where there was, like, a human centipede type of submission where one guy has submission on some other guy, and then that guy has submission on some other guy. This is pretty, use- like, it's pretty common, like, usually when you get out, like, a match like this. The thing here was that Josh Alexander was, like, legit hanging from the ropes, like, the, the crisscross ropes. As he had the ankle lock on Chris Bay, oh. and Chris Bay had something else on someone else, like that itself made it look crazy. I, was, I I think the setup was the weak point of that spot because it did take a lot for Alexander to get up there, and then for Ace Austin like to carry Chris Bay so that he so that Alexander could get the the leg. But it kind of worked out at the end. Uh, it wasn't for that long that they kept the spot, but it, it looked pretty cool. And yeah, at the end, the 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 finish came down to Josh Alexander and Chris Bay. They were wrestling. Well, they were both hanging from the ropes and they were like kind of like wrestling, punching each other. Uh, There was like a little tug of war with the championship. Ace Austin tried to do that spot where he just jumps in springboard, steals a title. Uh, It's been done before. But this guy's like managed to dodge Bay. I mean, uh, Ace Austin bay fell from the ropes and josh alexander captured the win so good stuff um i, I think also a lot of people should have expected josh alexander to keep the title uh, impact seems to have big plans for him and so yeah it was just a matter of him keeping the title we had brian myers and taniel dashwood losing to the team of Matt Cardona and the returning Chelsea Green she's not going to be Laurel Van Ness she's going to be uh, Chelsea Green but I guess she's still hot mess Chelsea Green Um, the match itself was it was okay it was fun more than anything Um, since they're doing the the men on men and women and women rule stuff we didn't we just kind of saw Myers get a lot of heat on Cardona and then Chelsea Green come in There was a couple of spots she hit a destroyer on myers and then she got the win on dashwood but like that was it it was more like a again like entertainment you know like seeing the baby faces get the better of the heels uh for the first time in a long time so in that sense it was okay um good match it was just nice to see chelsea green back i guess (laughs) Eddie Edwards versus Morrissey, this was a weird match, it was a perfectly good wrestling match, but the story itself was just like not making sense to me, I don't give a fuck about Morrissey, I actually don't even know where he's going, like, his direction in the company, because he's getting this, like, monster push, or not, yeah, I guess push, but he's not a guy that we're going to see versus omega he's not a guy that we're going to see winning the title or the exhibition title i think and so i don't know where this is going um the match itself saw eddie edwards get like a pretty good offense on him forcing morrissey to cheat to win and so that's something else that i wasn't like super into that morrissey was pushed to cheat um at this point like if it's gonna happen i think it's okay to happen with edwards but i don't know like there were not enough promos telling us that eddie edwards had a chance to win anyway and so i think that's like where the disconnect is like morrissey was pushed to cheat but there was nothing to make us believe that he was gonna lose anyway and so that's i think where where it happens I don't know, like, I didn't care for this match. Morrissey won with a power bomb after hitting Eddie Edwards with a chain. So, man, eh, whatever. Uh, I guess I'm more interested to see where it goes because I have no idea where either guy is going with the story. Madman, Fulton, and Shura, they came out, and they were complaining that they got uh, banned from the Ultimate X match. And so Scott Damore brought out a team for them to wrestle, and that was Finjuice uh this lasted about a minute or less i wouldn't say it was a squash because it was more of a of the idea that fulton and shira are not tag teams they're they don't even like each other and so there was no reason to believe they were going to work together they actually had some problems and finjuice quickly uh took advantage of that and got the pin so this was more just to like Give us like a, a notice that, hey, Faint Juice is back on impact. So again, that's good. It's, it's, a, it's always good to have a... This is weird because it's always good to have them at, in the tag division. But at the same time, uh, I don't know if I want to see them challenge for the titles again. So we'll see what they do too. Chris Saban versus Moose. This was actually my favorite match of the night. It was just straight up wrestling. Chris Saban working the leg of Moose. Moose just being the overpowering prick that he is. Um, There was a couple of pretty cool spots like uh, Moose hit a revolution fly. um, Stuff like that. And at the end, what happened was that they were trading just roll ups, and Chris Saban managed to keep one down for three seconds and he won and that was it. Like, I didn't think there was much to this match in the sense of, like, talking points. It's just straight-up good wrestling. But I do think it's worth paying attention to see where both guys are going to go. Um, like, I know the Impact Taping spoilers are already out. I haven't seen them. I don't read them because I, I like to react naturally. Uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if Savin gets a title shot before bound for glory even uh i don't know if they're doing title shots at homecoming but i think there's another show i think they're building two emergence uh down the line too and so there's there's a couple of uh, there's a couple of things uh, of shows before bound for glory and i think chris saving could be built up to one where you know he's gonna lose and but uh, it would be like a really good match saving and omega it would be a pretty good again like also kind of like a milestone in this uh impact trying to get the title back from omega story because Seven is a original from like back in the day and so that works to that story but yeah like at this point i haven't really paid attention to to the spoilers, like I said, I'm not going to see them, so I don't know where need your guys going. I still think it's going to be Moose versus Omega at Bound for Glory unless, the, unless there's some developments that happen with a certain someone that we're going to talk about in a little bit. But before we get to that, we had the Impact World Tag Team, Tag Team Championship four-way match. Violent by the sign, this was Joe Dorian and Rhino representing Defended, defending against Falaba and No Way Jose, who made his debut, replacing TJP. I actually don't even know why TJP wasn't in the show. I don't know if things have fallen out with him or if he's injured, but he just wasn't in the show. Uh, also Rich Swan and Willie Mack and also the good brothers, Doug Gallus and Carl Anderson, who won the match and won the championships. So the match itself, I thought it was really underwhelming uh just by the 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 talent in bolt like I think there were so many combinations that could have been really interesting to see like Joe Doring versus Doc Gallows like the first one they teased it and they just did a couple of strikes. Uh Doring versus No Way could have been interesting or gallows versus No Way because No Way is pretty big. Anderson versus um Rich Swan. Give me that for a couple of minutes more than what we got so what it kind of felt like this was blue balls the match it was just like a lot of potential and nothing really happened half of the match actually was the good brothers getting heat on rich swan in their corner with no tags to other to other teams so it kind of felt like i thought it was cool if the match had gone longer and they would have developed more but like for the time the match got and how much they spent working on rich Swan, i thought it was like really just long yeah just long uh but uh, i don't know like the, at, at the end the good brothers winning the titles they won with a magic killer uh, by the way on rhino if i'm not mistaken uh I don't mind them winning. I think it actually will serve a purpose that the Elite has all the titles. Well, not the X Division, but they have the titles. Because I think this is a way that you could have these titles defended maybe on AEW or New Japan Strong. I think this is a way that... Like, for instance, there's no reason why... um, Impact could be like, hey, A.W., can we put the Impact titles on Moxley and Eddie Kingston? Because if they're not going to win the titles, the A.W. titles from the Bucks, why not give them the Impact titles, you know, Uh, give them something. And so that would mean that Impact has access to Moxley and Kingston, and that would be good. Likewise, you can do that with a team from New Japan. If you want to, maybe the Gorillas of Destiny, for instance, and so I don't know. Like, there's, I think there's more to to this win than just having the titles on the Good brothers. I think there's a purpose, and also just like having the elite have all the titles and impact, I think works for something. Uh, like I said, I haven't seen the taping spoilers, so we'll see where it goes. And yeah, like I, it kind of sucks for Joe Dorian and Rhino to lose the title so quick, but I guess I don't know. Like maybe. I, I don't think there was much thought going into Biden by them by the sign winning the titles. Uh, and I mean, I don't know what's the status of Eric Young coming back to wrestling. And as things open up, I, I don't know what the status of Joel Doring is in, in Impact. So stuff like that, we don't know. Uh, we'll see. The, I guess. And the other thing here for news is like, no way Jose debuted. It. He has pretty much the same name, the same gimmick. I. I was really looking forward to see what he had to bring to the table, and I was really disappointed. I didn't see anything in that guy, I just saw a generic WWE wrestler. Um, I was, I don't know, like, I wish he would drop that gimmick, because I think that gimmick is a crutch for him to get popular, and and because he has that crutch, he doesn't actually work hard in the ring, or as hard as he, he can probably. Because he, he's a huge guy, like there's no reason why he couldn't be better. But uh, yeah, I think that that gimmick's a crutch. I think he should drop it. I, I don't like the gimmick. Uh, next up, we had the Impact Knockout Championship match. Diana Perasso defending against a mis- uh, mysterious uh, mystery opponent to be determined, and that opponent that opponent was Thunder Rosa the the match itself i thought was really good i thought the finish was kinda was kind of dry because i think uh, the queen's gambit came out of nowhere I, I, I felt it came out of nowhere um but the match itself was pretty good the, the idea was that you had a technical wrestler versus a speed lucha a luchador and there were like Tonda Rosa, like <laughs> the best way to explain it is that in previous Diana Parasso matches, she like survives a little bit early on when the opponent is having some offense. But then she like gets him by the arm. She hurts the arm and then she just dominates the rest of the match. And in this match, it was slightly different. Uh, Thunder Rosa was kind of always in control. But Diana Parasso kept going for the arm and slowly like... One move at a time, she managed to hurt Rosa enough to the point where it was Diana Parasso on top. She hit the Queen's Landing and she won. So I, I thought the the storytelling was slightly good. Um, the pacing was really good. And yeah, I like the action. I like the match. Uh, I don't know if this means Thunder Rosa is going to stay with uh, Impact for a couple of tapings. Uh, it'd be cool. I would love to see Thunder Rosa versus... I mean, Tonda Rosa versus Daniil, Tonda Rosa versus Jordan Grace, Tonda Rosa versus Rachel Eldering, Tonda Rosa versus Fire and Flava, Tonda Rosa versus Rosemary. Like, there's just so many uh, pair-ups that I would love to see with Tonda Rosa. But um, yeah, we'll see what happens there. If not, you know, NWA and, and Impact seem to be like in slight, like in a little working agreement, which is really interesting because we do know the past between uh, Billy Corgan and anthem so it's kind of interesting to see that they were going to work together but um i don't know we'll we'll see how far it goes uh after the match mickey james came out she made her big return to the match and it was interesting because mickey james was the person that most people expected to answer the challenge and so this was a good like little swerve that it was sonda rosa and then mickey james came out uh, and she pretty much invited Deanna Parasso to join the Empower show that she is booking on the NWA. And what happened was that Deanna Perasso told her to fuck off. And so they got into a fight. Mickie James got super cake. And I would imagine this is going to be our Bound for Glory title match. Mickie James versus Deanna Perasso, Assuming Perasso defends against uh, Fabi Apache in, in August. And then we go into the main event of the night, the Impact World Championship, no DQ match, Kenny Omega and Sammy Callahan. This was arguably the best match of the night. It just wasn't my favorite. <laughs> it's a weapons match. This was super bloody. Um, I like the idea that Kenny Omega has established himself as someone who does do pretty well in weapon matches, but he's never faced someone like Sammy Callahan. And so Sammy Callahan had a lot of offense. Uh, like they were bleeding like within minutes, there were uh, cheese cutters, there were chairs, thumbtacks, uh, tables, uh, forks, just a lot of type of, of weapons and at the end, it kind of came down to Kenny Omega uh, starting to hit the beat trigger and eventually after enough beat triggers, he managed to get Callahan down with the one with the Angel. There was a lot of power drivers, too. Um, yeah, it was just like super bloody, full of action. Uh, good psychology, I would say. And that was a match. And Simon Callahan loses. And what happens next is that the lights go out. And Jay fucking White. Switchblade Jay White comes out. He gets face to face with Omega. Omega and the Elite offer A2 suite. And that's when the show goes off. Um, You've probably heard at this point that the show went off before we got to see what happened. And and what happened was that Finn Juice ran down and tried to attack Jay White. Jay White took out, I think Juice Robinson with a Blade Runner and then left. What a lot of people don't understand is that that spot was done for the live audience. I think they're going to show it on... I think they're going to show it On impact but that spot was done for New Japan Strong for resurgence and so it wasn't necessarily something that you were supposed to see Uh, so impact did cut the show exactly when it was supposed to be cut you were supposed to leave the show with a cliffhanger Um, I know it's really weird because uh, a lot of people have been indoctrinated that angles happen Uh, and and that's how you go off the show but this is the way that you know they're selling you thursday's show uh they're telling you like you want to know what happened you want to see what happens with jay white and kenny omega then tune in on thursday uh for impact and we're going to talk about thursday's impact in a little bit but uh yeah like huge huge development jay white the bullet club pretty much uh coming into impact i i've also heard like questions like, oh, wouldn't this have been better in AW? And I I completely disagree. I, I think that would have been a terrible idea to do that in AEW because Kenny Omega and Adam Page in AW is a perfect story. It's been built pretty much like the whole year, like since last year, really. And the last thing you want to do in AEW right now is to Introduce a character that's going to overshadow uh, Adam Page. And I mean, Adam Page and and Jay White have had many rivalries (laughs) when they were in New Japan together in Ring of Honor. But yeah, the the last thing you want to do is to have... Introduce someone to AW right now that is going to make the fans want to see that match more than Adam Page versus Kenny Omega. And so doing it here on impact is perfect um if you later want to do it in aw that's also perfectly okay but i think it's just best to leave it here aw doesn't need a bullet club invasion right now like right now specifically like the story right now is we have pinnacle versus the inner circle that's one thing and then we have the dark order versus the elite that's another thing there's no need to introduce another stable that is just going to be floating, and taking the spotlight away from your current storyline. So, I think this was perfectly done here in Impact. And like I said, overall a fun show, um, newsworthy. I'd say I think they kept the the debuts slightly more under control. There were more returns than debuts, and I think that's okay. Um, I don't know if they're all gonna stay. I. Honestly, wouldn't keep wait no way, Jose. If he doesn't change the the gimmick, uh, Jay White is a fantastic, fantastic debut. I think, I think Jay White is one guy that ever since becoming the switchblade, everyone wanted him, and it came down to impact. Impact got him before AW, before Ring of Honor, before WWE, before uh, PWG. So good for Impact, like in that sense, like they're the ones who, who have Jay White right now. That is, it It helps sometimes to be a promotion like Impact who just allows people to come in and out and who allows people to, you know, to work other shows uh, and have those type of relationships. Like I think Impact is really becoming that promotion where, You can see a lot of different dream matches, Um, like Bound for Glory is being promoted as AW, AAA, uh, NWA, I think they mentioned, uh, all working together in the same show. So that's pretty good. That's pretty awesome. Good for Impact. And while we're in Impact, and it is that time, it is the Impact Forecast. Impact Wrestling for July the 22nd. There are not many matches announced right now, but we do have certain developments uh, that we are going to be seeing in this Impact. Uh, We know Jay White is going to be in the Impact Zone. We know there is a tease of Chris Bay finding a Bullet Club t-shirt in his locker room. We saw it on, on Twitter. And so there is some development there and Jay White is going to be there. We know Miki James is going to be also at the Impact Zone, uh, most likely addressing either Purazzo or the Empowered Show. I wouldn't be surprised if someone like Jordan Grace also gets invited to the Empower Show. Uh, we know that the Knockout Tag Team titles will be defended in, on Impact. I, I think it's just a rematch from anniversary. We have Brian Myers, Sam Beal, Antonio Dashwood facing Matt Cardona, Jake something and Chelsea Green. And that is really all that's been announced for this episode. Uh, There are, they, we have like two weeks before homecoming. I think that is July 31st. And so there's not a lot of time left for them to build that show. I think that show is going to be a tag team tournament of sorts an intergender tag team tournament of sorts and so expect that whole pay-per-view to well pay-per-view slash impact special to be built probably just this week at least the introduction of it and the introduction of the teams and maybe we get to see like the setup on the next impact next week and then just have the the impact plus special so yeah that's going to be it for impact this week and that is it for a, uh, this episode of WRPX. Uh, remember, you can find us on Spotify, iTunes, and WRPXpodcast.com. Leave a like, a subscription, a review. Everything helps. You can find me on on Twitter as DWRevolution. That's T-H-E-W Revolution. Um, I'm, I'm mostly there. You can find me there every day in case you want to reach out to me. Uh, you can also go to WrestlingRevolution.com where you can find the written versions of all the shows that we talk about in this and every other episode. And finally, you can go to Figure 4W Online where I am the, the Impact guy. I do live coverage for Impact shows, both the television shows and the Impact Plus specials and uh, the pay-per-views, so... If you don't have a means to watching Impact, you can always drop by and, and I'll give you the results straight from the source. And so that is it. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being here. Share the podcast and I'll see you all next week. Adios. Well, that's about it. Son of a gun. We've enjoyed it. Looking forward to next week. I guess we'll have to wait a week before we get to it, but we'll be right back again for Corey Macklin, Dave Brown, Lance Russell saying bye bye, everybody.